Oasis people. Welcome to the Oasis podcast. We're back. New location, actually. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah, for those watching, if you're listening, you have no idea that we changed locations. (laughs) Maybe it sounds different. I don't know. Dylan's? No, he's shaking his head. No, he's listening. It doesn't sound any different. But you know me, I'm Brennan, and then this is Jaina, and we actually have a guest with us today. And I've been working to try and say your name right, but it's Melissa Vandekeft. Vandekeft. Second one. Vandekeft. Yes. Sometimes the second time is what you need. I did, you know. (laughs) But she is a local author here in Brookings, um, someone who we've been in contact over the last year talking about her book right here. I've got a copy of it, and so does Jaina. But it's Living in the Wait. And the subtitle for this one is How to Use the Delays in Life Differently. And it's a book you wrote this last year. And uh, one I really enjoyed reading and one we're excited to talk about just kind of the themes of it and some of the things that you've been walking through and the Lord's been teaching you. But let's do this first. Let's have you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you're doing here today. Yeah. So uh, my name is Melissa, as you guys had already shared. And uh, so I'm a local author, speaker. Um, I'm also an event planner is kind of my day job, I like to say. So that'll give you a clue a little bit about maybe how, why waiting is so hard. Because <laughs> um, when you're a planner, you like to have things organized yep. and scheduled and yep. things go according to plan. So that's a, just a little bit about kind of like my, you know, my resume piece from that. Uh, some kind of random facts, I guess I like to share with people. I used to be a hair model. Oh, um, what? wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, I know it's kind of a funny thing. My hair, uh, if you can funny. imagine, had been dyed bright orange, like oh. like orange from like I am blown orange. away that this is even like a Hunter thing. Hunter orange. Yes. Yeah. Like. So like. Yeah. What, uh, now I'm, I got a question. You know, like I got to figure this out. Take you off. Yeah. What, do you, what kind of content do you produce as a hair model? Like, are you like back of the head, like oh, shampoo it was commercials the whole thing. or. No. So I was actually like in. Um, so hairstylists will go to actual like shows. Like, yeah. This one was in Omaha okay. and we would be on stage. So behind stage, they would be coloring our hair, cutting our okay. hair. Oh, and wow. they had to, it was really fun because they would do it in stages, especially for my hair. It yeah. was a little bit longer at that time. They would cut, do different cuts throughout the show. Like this was, oh. I think a two, two day type of a hair show. Wow. So wow. then they would cut it. So then you could see kind of what you, the stylist could see what you could do differently with yeah. the hair and that oh, kind of thing. Cool. So the last time I was a hair model, they colored it orange and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> after that, I had to color my hair like two or three times oh, yeah. just to get just it to get the out. Orange out. So here's a, so, yeah. here's a funny story for you. When I was in middle school, <laughs> I dyed my hair blonde as a seventh grader for a soccer tournament I was participating in. It was our state championship. I thought it would be so cool, and it was terrible. You know, it was just, it looked awful. It wasn't cool at all. I, I honestly got bullied. Like, it was not okay. But then... When I tried to get it back to my normal color, mm-hmm. it took me months yes. to get it back. Like I tried to d- dye it back brown and it turned orange. Yep. And then eventually I just buzzed my head and let it come back naturally. <laughs> I didn't want to opt for that route yeah. myself. But <laughs> it, was a, it was a tough couple of months. So, yeah. so in some ways it, I relate. It's a very difficult job when they color your hair. Well, and there you, you go. I mean, you don't have an op. I mean, you sign up for this, right? Yeah. So I didn't have an option to say, hey, can you not? And I think, honestly, they made a mistake. I think okay. exactly oh. what happened, what you were saying about the hair color. Yep. I think it's supposed to be more of like an auburn maroon. Okay. More like natural. They never told looking. me that. <laughs> I'm, They're like, just roll with it. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, what do I do now? It's done. This is my hair. Like, I can't yeah. do anything. So, yeah. I mean, it's go. kind of Did a Did you get paid to do that? I did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So okay, I at least used you got some money. Well, I used all my money to dye oh, my, to hair back, my hair back. Honestly, yeah. after oh. that whole game. <laughs> but you have this story to tell, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you and go. it's a funny story. There you so. go. Story. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah. So it's always about the story. But um, so that's just a little kind of random fact about me. Um, and I also wanted to share, I guess, my favorite Bible verse because I think okay, that's always sweet. fun to yeah. hear from people. But mine is Isaiah forty-one thirteen, and it says, "For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says, mm. Do not fear; I will help you.' That's good. I don't know why. I mean, that's just always stuck with me, and I think." 
it applies to what we maybe talk about today too. But I think what's cool about it is I think it talks about how personal your relationship with God is because he's taking your hand, he's holding mm-hmm. your hand, um, and he's speaking to you, say that I will help you. So I love that verse. Um, it's just something that really means a lot to me. So anyway, those are a couple very high level things about myself. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Well, should we get into our fun intro question? Let's do it. We already did the hair stuff, so it feels so, like we've yeah, already done like, some fun. Yeah. But, but I, go I got to go know, it. if you were going to write a book or you were going to write a second book, second what book. would you write about? I've been asked this question before. Yeah. And to be honest, I would think I'd have to do something soccer related. Mm. But here, here's my niche. Because, you know, you can't just publish a soccer book. <laughs> just soccer. I think soccer as a way of connecting people in Christ Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've been on a couple mission trips okay. and there's this unique thing that I've gotten to do when I've been in Haiti or Puerto Rico or Kenya um, all, and all these different, even Southern Texas, there was such a cultural divide. Like when I was in, or when I was working in uh, Phoenix one summer, I did a couple of weeks with some um, people who were immigrating to America mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't, we weren't able to speak the same language. They couldn't speak English, but they played soccer and I played soccer and there was a really beautiful thing in it. Yeah. So yeah, I think that'd be my niche. All right. How soccer can trans, trans, go transcend culture to be able to connect people and there using that for Christ. You kind of already, already have a title a little bit. Maybe. Too, right? so. I got to get an outline now. <laughs> there you go. I'll just All listen right. to my That's podcast right. back, start writing it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There. What about you? I think mine, um, I've already actually thought about this. Okay. okay. A book. For children on waiting oh. um, and we'll talk about that probably more as you find out about my story but I have a daughter and I feel like one of the things that I talk about and have to teach her often is waiting yeah right because yep. kids don't understand it they don't concept they have no concept of time or mm-hmm. anything and so I just thought um, something like that could be kind of a fun way to talk about that topic and That's reach great. children as well so yeah. I don't have an outline yet but I did kind of have a title okay I've been thrown around but We'll see what happens. Maybe this will yeah. like actually right. be me putting it out there. Now I have to follow through. <laughs> right? Here's my thing. So I got to ask this question. Yes. Is writing a book like the same concept as getting a tattoo? You know, you say, they say you get oh, one tattoo yes. and now you're in and you're like, oh, like going to get multiple, <laughs> right? You know, you know what that happens though. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm never going to get a tattoo. And then someone gets one tattoo and they're like, they're like, oh, they're I'm, like all in. I'm all in. Yeah. I'm going to get a, a thousand <laughs> tattoos. I, I don't have any tattoos. Okay. I've heard that from people. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I could see that from writing because yeah. it's a really fun process mm-hmm. and like you grow personally yep. yourself through it. So I could definitely see that. And I, I can't say for sure okay. that I would feel the same way about it. Yeah. If I had someone that was like doing all my writing and publishing and all of that, <laughs> maybe yeah. I would. Like yeah. I did this from front to from beginning to end. Yeah. Maybe it would be a different process, right? Because mm-hmm. other people could help move it along yeah. faster. Totally. So we'll see how that works. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Jenna, what about you? What book are you writing? Um, I would definitely write something fiction. Oh, I don't know if I have expertise enough in something to write a nonfiction book. And I had this idea. It came to me at the middle of the night a long time ago. (laughs) When all all the best ideas come come. of like a trilogy. So multiple books. So I don't know how many, but trilogy is three. Or okay, a series then. Okay, okay. Maybe you're right. Series, trilogy yeah. is so then you series. Can decide how many. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to read a trilogy <laughs> of six books. <laughs> um, but it, Every single book is the exact same story, but told from the different perspective of different characters. Uh, is there a book like that already? I don't know if there's a book like it, but I think I've seen a movie like that. Is there? Uh, so like, imagine like Harry Potter. Book one is Harry Potter. Book two is Ron. Book three is Hermione. Like it's oh, all the same yeah. characters, the exact same plot, but from the different perspectives. So you see how they yep. all engage it differently. And each of them's the hero in their own book. Ooh, I like that idea. So, 
Trademark. TM, Trademark. Right Nobody now. can yes, steal it. Yeah. That's really cool. But, never, uh, I don't know if I could. I think there's a movie off, out there called Vantage Point. Vantage Point? Yeah. That's like that? Where it's like there's a, a terrorist thing that happens and the movie cuts from like six or seven different perspectives throughout mm-hmm. and it plays the same event from all these different perspectives oh, and it's really cool. Yeah. Because so. I love books that's like the same story but each chapter is a different person in the story. Yeah. And so you kind of like see all their different personalities but... Yeah. There you go. I think it would be fun. Ooh, I look forward to We're that. We're on the three books here. Yeah. <laughs> if there's any publishers so. listening yeah. right now. <laughs> That's great. Cool. Let's dive into some of this. Uh, prior to your book even starting, there is a section that you called the wait list where you must have reached out to people in your sphere and in your community trying to figure out and gauge what they're waiting for. And it's so it's this list of names and things actual tangible people in your life are waiting for right now. And to me, that was as someone coming into it, it was really jarring, eye-opening and profound to step into the book and see you're not alone in your waiting. Mm -hmm. Like already from before the book has even started, I'm seeing this communal aspect to waiting and every person's was different. You know, they all had different things they were prioritizing and waiting for, but yet every single person, the, the waiting period was important and it meant something to them. So where did that idea come from? Or like, as you do that, how did you kind of, what were your reactions putting some of that together? Because it can be kind of heavy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I will say there's, it kind of started when I, so living in, wait, this whole idea um, started out as a blog in 2018. Okay. And um, I originally had asked people on the blog to submit their own mm. stories. So back then um, I had called it the wait list. And so people would submit stuff or I'd reach out to them and I would kind of ask them just the same set of questions. So very similar idea started when I first started my blog. So then when I was kind of coming together with my book, I had seen another author do something similar. Mm. Um, It wasn't the wait list, but it was just this idea of bringing in the community into your book, right? So having Mm, them involved, having them share. Um, Yeah. And I loved the idea and I was like, well, how can I do that with this? And so that's where that kind of combined thought came together and you're right it when people submitted I I definitely was careful to say like hey I understand this can be a heavy thing for you this is something sensitive because it's a desire you have that's not being met and so um people I think are really eager though to share that Mm -hmm. because um like you said, they don't want to feel alone in it. And oftentimes I think you do feel alone because there can be shame around waiting and why things aren't coming into your life. So maybe you don't vocalize it to people you know or or in your circle. Sending it like that more anonymously, I think gave them an opportunity to voice it, to say, hey, I really do have something that I wish would happen that affects me daily, but maybe I'm not communicating it to people. So it was, it was, it made me feel not alone as well. Mm. Like just that people could um, relate to this idea of waiting and how heavy it can feel sometimes. And just, it is a real thing, right? Like this isn't something that, you know, sometimes you, you hope you don't make up something when you try to teach people or share your story with people and having that just kind of reminded me like, yeah, this is something that people relate to. I'm not alone in my fact that I experienced it too. These people felt the same way. Yeah. It gives some purpose behind your book that you, you are addressing a need and it's something people are wrestling with, which I, I think is also awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Before each chapter, you write a quote or something along, sometimes it's a Bible verse, which I guess is a quote in its own in vain. What's one of those that as you were working through the book that has was profound to you then and is still impacting your life now as you think about waiting and, and being this author? 
Yeah. What's, what's one of those quotes? I'm a big quote guy. Yes, like I, I could, love quotes too. If I could live off of like quotes and the Bible, like I think I, I could make it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's so much that can be gathered from it. From and I quote. think what some of it is, is they're short and they're easy to remember too, which yep. just helps you come back to them. Mm-hmm. So to answer that question though, mine is on page nine and it's from C.S. Lewis. And it says, you will find that the long wait has done you some kind of good, which you would not have had otherwise. Mm. Very hard to swallow, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, and I say that because good and waiting maybe feels like they don't fit in the same sentence. Yep. Um, I've learned a lot about emotions and how they actually, they can be end, right? Good and bad mm. um, in the sense of that. And so I feel like that just was my reminder for me, like, hey, you're going through this season of waiting. There, There is something, I think the word purpose is really yeah. what I would come to mind. Maybe I don't see it. Maybe I don't understand it. Maybe I won't even find it for years down the road. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that gave me some hope right? Like hope to know that this time isn't wasted because I think a lot of times we say waiting is wasted, Mm. right? Like if I'm waiting, I'm wasting my time. Mm -hmm. And so I think that reminds me and hopefully those listening that there is still purpose. Maybe we, we in our own right can't understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it still exists within that. That's great. Yeah. So good. I think is why I like that part, but Hey, I have a question for you though, to go back. We had talked about, um, some waiting about the wait list. Do you guys have something that you would put on the wait list? I know that's putting you on the spot. And like we said, sensitive um, and can be kind of heavy. But but I I should say this. I think waiting often is maybe seen as a disappointing thing Mm -hmm. because there's a void. But I do feel like sometimes that waiting can be an – there can be some excitement attached with it. I feel like sometimes – Maybe not as much, right? Like maybe 2080 mm-hmm. in the in the percentage world of that. But so it could be something too exciting that you're waiting for. Yeah. Like maybe it is a family or a wedding or writing a book. I mean, my book was something exciting, but even with that, I had some difficult times. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, even when I was in it, that I was still being grown. And, and so anyway, I just was curious if you had something to share. No, totally. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm single, but I very much want to be married and have a family. So I feel like that's something I'm waiting on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There you go. And mm-hmm. I think there's there's something for me that is uh, I'm content in the waiting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's yeah. it's it's uh, still a waiting game for me, and it's probably kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a lot of friends. I'm in a community right now where a lot of us got married around the same time, and there's a lot of kids popping up. <laughs> it's like I went to a party the other day with some friends, and it was like six, six kids under the age of one. Mm. And I was like, I'm definitely not having kids now. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But there's a contentness in that. I'm yeah. still waiting, yeah. but I'm not disgruntled. And so it's a different mm, kind of yes. waiting, but yeah. uh, still something that the Lord is teaching me what it looks like to be content, to yeah. not to not compare different situations, to, to take the joy that he's given me in this season and really just hold on to that. Yeah, that I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think that, is the part that I hope people can get from this idea of living mm. in the way is, is you kind of have some sort of contentment in it. You said disgruntlement. I was like that at the very beginning. Yep. I mean, I was angry. I was resentful. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just like push repeat. It was kind of yeah. what ended up happening for me and took two and a half years to really understand that like con- contentment acceptance and that sort of thing. So I'm really glad you meant- mentioned that because that's possible to have totally during that time. And I think is, I think it's possible when you invite God into that mm. and, and work with him through it. That's good. I feel like. Super good. Super good. I'm going to jump ahead. Go ahead. Still yeah. a question. Um, so you talk a little bit about um, like an unexplained 
diagnosis of, of infertility. Yes. Um, and you shared this really profound quote. You say, control has a not so funny way of creating a false sense of safety. And I found myself no longer feeling safe in my own story. The control I thought I had over this outcome in my life no longer existed. It was such a helpless and hopeless feeling to a level I had never experienced before. That appointment was the beginning of a loss that God would work to turn into a gain over the next couple of years. Um, that's just a cool little moment that you had there, but yeah. um, brings me back actually yeah. to like, where was that when that <laughs> all happened? So. Yeah, and there's a ton in that, but maybe to start, like, what describe what you mean by a false sense of safety that control creates? Yeah. Um, so I feel like control, like. Like when we are certain of something, I feel like there's safety in it, mm. right? So like if we're certain of, I mean, there's lots of things in our lives, but if we feel like we know this path or we know this direction or we know the outcome, I feel like it feels safer, yep. right? Because we know like this is going to happen. And I feel like for me, for that was like, I had a path, I had a direction, I had something that I thought was safe. And then I got switched to a different yeah. one. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't know, I think a lot of it was, what do I, I don't know what to do, mm. right? I think um, my personality and humans as well, though, we like to know what to do. We like to know yeah. what's next. We like to have a plan, totally. um, a checklist, a task list, task list whatever yeah, you want to call it. Yeah, the control piece. And, and I didn't have it anymore because I, I did. I was like, well, what do we do next? Like, I don't know what to do because mm -hmm. there was no more certainty for me, right? Like, in theory, I knew what the next step would have been if my life would have went according to plan. But now it's like, yeah. okay, this isn't going, you're telling me the typical things you do aren't working. So now, now what do I do? It's a whole new world. Yes. Um, and I did, I just felt, I didn't have any control. It just felt really uncertain, unsafe. Um, just that whole experience did really. Yeah. From that perspective. I'm a, I can, I can sometimes be a visual thinker. And so let me see if I can articulate what I'm kind of processing through even as you talked about it but in my mind it's like we're on this destination we're traveling from point a to point b we're in the car we're driving but all of a sudden the the route we normally take or the route we expect to take which is comfortable and safe it's it's road close signs mm -hmm. and you hit that and you're like okay well I'm going to take this detour route and that detour route takes you into new territory yep. it takes you into areas you don't normally explore it makes you see things and experience things that can be confusing and and ultimately you're still hoping you get to point b right yep. you left point a so you, you're going somewhere you can't go back, yeah, you can't yeah. go back. You, you're going somewhere but it's through that detour that that sense of like this isn't normal for me I don't know if I'm okay with this it's uncomfortable it's yep. different but yet I am still progressing towards something and trusting that the Lord is leading me on that path even when I don't feel like I'm in control anymore yes very well said yes. <laughs> that's just mentally I was <laughs> going there I was like good. I'm seeing you drive through like the mountains and then all <laughs> yep. of a sudden it's like nope you're in the wilderness now and you're like <laughs> I am pioneering something new, like <laughs> gravel roads and bumps and hills. And you're like, oh, this is crazy. But yeah, I'm and trying you feel to like you're alone a lot of, yeah. in that. I, I mean, I feel like a lot of us experience different types of waiting themes or topics are different. And, you know, ours was to have a family. And at that time, I still feel like it's kind of taboo to talk about it. But I, I didn't really know anybody else that had experienced it. Not mm. even in my own family. Personally, maybe they had and they hadn't shared it. Right. I mean, there is some of that that happens, too. Um, but one of the coolest things I'll sh say when we did share our story publicly because like I said I started a blog and we shared just what we were experiencing the outpouring of people who said we had something very similar yeah. like mm -hmm. I could not believe it right like I would have I never guessed I didn't want to guess or judge yeah. anybody in their timeline of life and all of a sudden I was just like oh my gosh these all these people did and mm -hmm. it it was sad to know that they also experienced it so my heart hurt for them too because I know what it felt like yeah but I was grateful to know that 
I had this community of people that were like, yeah, hey, I, I hear you. I'm right there with you. And That's I see beautiful. you. Let's yeah. clarify. I feel like we jumped over that step of really what caused you to oh, write the man, book. Oh, man, we did. You know, <laughs> we we're, in did. Yeah, we're in it and we're <laughs> we like, we're right <laughs> so what caused you? What was your waiting moment? What was your wait list? Yeah. So ours was to have a family. It was to expand our family, um, to be able to get pregnant and become a mom was really what it was. Mm. And so um, for us, it was where all of this kind of came into play, I'll say, is that until I had this moment where living in the way it really became apparent to me um, and God shared with me, it was like a two and a half year process. Mm. Um, so I do think that's important to share for those listening that this isn't coming to this idea of being willing to live in the way and that sort of thing can be a process in itself, yep. right? I mean, and, and all of us happen and, and come upon that timeline differently because of our relationship with him, context in our lives. And so um, I encourage you that I, I hope that has an encouragement for people listening to though, is knowing that you, that point will come and trust that he will bring you to that moment mm. where you are willing to say, okay, God, I'm ready to live in the weight now and yeah. be content and be willing to learn and, and grow in this season. So ours in a nutshell was to have a family. Yeah. We started it all, but I will say I've had plenty more <laughs> after that. And I think that's important to say, cause oftentimes, um, I may be hesitant to exactly share everything about our story. Cause I don't want people to close themselves off to mm. say, oh, well, yeah. I didn't, I didn't wait to have a family and I'm glad you didn't. Mm. This idea is something that we will encounter over and over, over and mm -hmm. over again. Right. And that's not to scare us. I feel like it's to, to help prepare us in a way mm -hmm. so that we know kind of what we can do during that time that might be different to not always be angry and resentful, but maybe find some of that contentment during yep. that time. Why don't you and I, why don't we popcorn back some ideas of like what college students and adults are like oh, wrestling mm, with in yes. their weight. So their weight. not mm -hmm. to, to put, maybe we're just helping you address this thing you're waiting mm -hmm. for. For me, the first one that comes to mind is like career. Yeah. Like people are waiting to get that job, to get the job they liked. They're in a job, but they're trying to wait mm -hmm. for another job. Um, yeah. There's that pressure to leave college in a relationship that's yeah. going to lead to marriage or already be married. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Friends, I think that. is a big waiting period. A lot of people experience. I remember coming to college. I really, really wanted friends, but mm -hmm. there was a period of time where I needed, where the Lord was actually teaching me. He was forming me. He was shaping me. He was making me the person I needed to be so that I could connect yeah. with the friends that I'd been praying for. Yeah. I think that's even bigger too with young adults who are post-college is that waiting for friendships yep. and community because mm -hmm. it's a very different season. Yeah. yeah. Waiting in that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Or healing. I mean, I think yeah. there's yes, some of those like good. tangible things, but I, I, when I sit back and think about it, it's like that healing part too, yep. whether it's relationships or family or physically, I mean, there can be a lot of healing, mm -hmm. um, that you're kind of feeling like once I get to that point, then I can do blank or X. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of waiting for that to come, I think too, financially, I think is something yeah. too. Right? Yeah, that's real. <laughs> I mean, it's, yes. it's real. I feel like no matter what age you are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm way post college, but, um, I feel like that's a big thing too, of waiting of like, just that, right. You talk about certainty and stability, mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like, and the control that comes. And often during that time, it's, you maybe don't know that. You know? Yeah. 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 I think even some so yeah, practical things waiting on location, like city, trying to figure out moves, mm -hmm. trying to figure out, yeah, just some of those just practical things where you have to wait and you got to take yeah. your time and be slow and yes. uh, hard. Yes. But yeah. good. It's very hard. Uh, in that same paragraph that, that Jaina had read previously, you described some emotions that you felt going through this process. Some of them that I'll just recap were like loss of control. There was a little bit of fear in that. There was some helplessness or the other word hopelessness. In the midst of that, 
emotions are something as as people we feel powerfully. Um, there's something that even if you're not as in tune with your emotions, you're still feeling them. You're just trying to work through how do you how do you process them and vocalize them, and, and in that they're powerful, they're pertinent. What do we do with them? You know, mm-hmm. you're feeling some of this negative stuff, but you're trying to live faithfully in the weight. How would you say and encourage people to process and and work with their emotions within the waiting period? Yes, that's a really great question. And I feel like uh, I didn't have a good grasp on that at the beginning. And, and that's where I kind of said, like, I learned that a little bit that it can be end. Like, mm. you can be sad and happy, where I mm. honestly thought it was one or the other, yeah. right? And, and through that, it was like, oh, they can be both. But I think, I think with that is, I think those feelings... Um, dictate or share with you a need that maybe you're having in your life that isn't being filled, I think. Um, So I feel like if you can be curious Mm. about maybe what you're feeling, not judgmental, but be curious about, okay, right now, why am I feeling upset or why am I disappointed or why am I feeling... Um, comparison, right? I think comparison happens a lot in the weight. Um, If you can say like, well, why am I feeling that jealousy right now? And then as you, you step back and break it down, I think it it just helps you understand like what's that need that you're really wanting and missing. It's not necessarily yeah. about maybe that person or what they have. It's but it's what you wish you had yeah. um, in your own life. And so I feel like using them as a tool for that can be really helpful. Mm. I, I, especially during difficult times, I don't recommend pushing them down or avoiding them yep. or ignoring them because I think they are trying to communicate to us. So I would say using that as a tool. And, and for me, I, I think writing down some of that journaling, maybe you like to do it as a voice note. I mean, yeah, I think oh, there's totally. ways to just to express that out. And I think as you talk that through as humans, we help, it helps us learn and decide like, oh, maybe it's this or this talking to a trusted friend. Yep. Trusted. I, I like to say trusted <laughs> because <good>. especially, <laughs> yeah. and I know that can be really hard. You even talked about that, like in that stage, maybe for those listening, um, maybe they don't I'm have a really trusted person. friend. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand what that feels like. Um, Cause you're like, I want, I want someone to <laughs> yep. share this yeah. with and I don't have someone. And so mm-hmm. you can talk to me. You can find me online <laughs> if you want, if you feel like you trust me. Um, Cause I know how important it is just to have some, just to have one other person to mm-hmm. say, this is kind of what I'm thinking or feeling. So, um, and I do think those feelings help us better understand ourselves, our motives, maybe what our expectations are in our lives that maybe they aren't as realistic or unrealistic, I should say, yeah. um, for ourselves can kind of relate to that too. That's good. You want to go for something now, Jenna? Oh boy. I lost my place in our okay. outline. Taking us off course. <laughs> There's so <laughs> much to breather. talk about. Kind of going all yes. over. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, for you, how do you, um, how would you describe the journey of waiting and the loss, the grief, um, just that process? How did that play out for you? And like, what encouragement would you give uh, for other people walking through that? Yeah. So, you know, I, I'll say this, I think it's recognizing that, um, grief is something that you experience when you lose someone mm. like, mm-hmm. or something, but or like a physical person or an animal or something like that. But I think it's also something you experience when you have a loss of a dream or an expectation mm. or a desire or a plan or yep. a schedule. Um, I didn't realize that. And so I didn't correlate that I was experiencing grief when I was going through this. Yep. Um, and that, I think just having that gives awareness and context to maybe how you're feeling, why you're feeling, and I think helps you maybe work through it and 
having a name, right? Like having a name to it, I think can help you. And so I think for me, it was understanding this is grief. Like you are sad, you have a loss of something that you wanted. And, um, I think a big piece of that is, um, is acceptance where we understand that, okay, this is where I am in life. I'm not okay with it. I don't like this, Mm. but how is there a way through it? And I think there's, um, there's a quote I share in here from Michael J. Fox that I love about acceptance. Oh, there you go. And it says, acceptance doesn't mean resignation. It means understanding that something is what it is and there's got to be a way through it. Mm. And so I feel like that's powerful too, of knowing, um, when you're in that time of that loss or that grief, knowing that this is what I'm experiencing, I'm sad, I'm disappointed that I don't have X right now. You know, I'm not married, I don't have kids, I don't have the house, I don't have my healing yet. Yep. And yet, I can still find purpose or hope or, I mean, there's, I think that that acceptance piece gives you hope to work through it um, and knowing that it, it may not be this perfect plan that you had, but it still is a part of your story and can be, I think, redeemed um, through that process. That's great. Yeah. So good. So, yeah. Ugh. It's not fun. No, it's not, it's not <laughs> fun. Talking about it now, I know it's not fun, but it's something that I, I hope people who are listening find that and just know that it is possible. Like when you are in a season of waiting, that there is contentment, there's peace, there's still joy, fulfillment that mm-hmm. can still be found in it. Um, and through that relationship with God, I think inviting him in, talking about how you're feeling and what you're experiencing. And I think if you know that there, for me, it was knowing that God is preparing me, he is protecting me and still providing purpose for me yeah. during that time, that really changed it for me because then it was no longer this time that was just being wasted. It was part of my story that he was weaving all these details in Super good. Um, and strengthen my relationship with him through that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thought that you had talked about in the book, which is you were willing to bargain with God to reveal your future. <laughs> yes, I which, was. I remember my journal entry. <laughs> right? You're like, haven't we all been there? Where oh, it's yeah. like, God, if you will tell yeah. me, I'm mm-hmm. going to give up swearing. Yeah. Just if you give me will, a sign. If you will give me a sign, <laughs> I swear I will I will consecrate myself to you. If, I mean, it's yeah. the it's the... Um, the warfare, the promise, you know, when you're at ends wit and you will, you will make any promise to do anything if God will just blank. Yes. So in the midst of that, we, we trick ourselves and think if we knew the end result or if we knew what was coming, we'd be more willing to wait. Mm-hmm. Like, God, if I knew you were going to provide me a job, <laughs> if I knew it was going to be a yeah. job I liked, then I would wait more contently. Mm-hmm. Or like if I knew there was a spouse coming at some point, then I'd, I'd date probably in a healthier way, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? right. But it's the, it's a lie in a lot mm-hmm. of sense because we're asked to live by faith. There's this aspect of relying and trusting on God. So how did that perspective change in the journal where you were like, okay, I'm bargaining with God, but this maybe isn't the correct way to go about this. How did that shift in your story? Um, And what does that even look like to help us stay present in the wait now? Um, So honestly, for me, it was realizing that Jesus waited Hmm. too. Um, I think it just, it made me realize like this is a natural part of life. Like I wasn't being punished. I wasn't um, a bad Christian. God didn't hate me. This, unfortunately, right. We live in the world that's full of sin, that this is a part of life. And I think knowing that he waited too, just brought this like comfort and relief to me in, in a way of knowing that he understood. I mean, I always knew he understood what we experience in life, Mm -hmm. but knowing specifically, it was like waiting really touched me and knowing like, okay, he knows exactly what I'm going through. He understands, he can relate to me. Um, and that I felt like made me 
just have a deeper relationship with him and trust in him of what I was going through. Yeah. Um, knowing that he kind of experienced that. So that really shifted my perspective on that. Um, and I think also understanding when I thought about him and waiting and the things that he had to wait for in life, it, it shifted my perspective in knowing that he also provides protection for us in those times. And you kind of talked about a little bit, Brennan, where he he's preparing you for what's coming next, but yeah. we also need protection from maybe getting that too soon mm-hmm. because maybe we aren't ready for it. That's kind of maybe a hard thing to think because I, I think I'm ready for a lot of things, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, we probably all think we're prepared yep. for the things, especially we want. Um, so I think like understanding that piece too, it's like, oh, wait, God, like you're not withholding this from me because I'm bad or you're upset with mm-hmm. me. Maybe it's because you're trying to protect me because you love me, right? We protect people that we love. Yeah. So I think that really shifts just his relationship with us during that time. That's good. Yeah. And even in that, I, I think my temptation is, okay, if you're not going to tell me the future plan, at least tell me the things I need to fix now so that I can get to the future plan. <laughs> right? <laughs> tell but, me the steps. <laughs> but there's, yeah, but there's something about it where when, when we journey alongside God and we, we find it on our own, you know, he's yes. leading us each and step of the way, it becomes more intrinsically valuable to us. Yeah. If God says you need to be a person of higher character and we like lay that down, he's like, if that, if that will happen, then I'll reward you with this. It, it feels bait and switchy. But if we are just in an honest pursuit of God living in the weight and we recognize that we can develop our character, there's something intrinsically motivating in that that says, I'm just trying to faithfully pursue the father and, and live and be the person he wants me to be. And then we'll get to the place. Mm-hmm. But if he, if we want the checklist, then we'll just start checking boxes to try to achieve objectives rather than becoming the people God actually wants us to become. Yeah. Yeah. Like living by the law versus grace. Absolutely, right. I yeah. mean the checklist of it, it's more about that grace and that relationship with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you can only form, like you said, like you're by your own self going through that and working through it and having those conversations with him. It has to happen that way yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so in the in the waiting that you experienced what helped you to to realize or remember that God cares about you to remember that he might be doing this to protect you or that um, to trust him even in the midst of not knowing how things are going to go yeah I think what so I talk about it in the book I think those reminders for me um, are really what I call the seven truths that I share in there and yeah. I, I use it as the acronym waiting to hopefully help us all to remember <laughs> um, but so it's I'll just go through them it's worship acceptance um, investigate trust I remember yeah wait sorry um, <laughs> intentional new and then generosity there you go um, nice. I was like oh there's a couple <laughs> that I had the two eyes that are in there and so those honestly for me that's what I do to this day because mm-hmm. like I said I have been in seasons of waiting since this all got started and I go back to those every time and I, I feel like for a person that like I said, we like to do things we like to cross stuff off the list. Like, what can I do that? I feel like gives some sense of control during that time. And, and those, these things, I don't share them because it's going to get you to your outcome. Mm-hmm. I cannot do that. Like this book cannot do that. Yeah. <laughs> like that is for God alone to yep. help with that. This in and through those, I feel like though helps provide um, that character development, your relationship with him, your relationship mm-hmm. with yourself. I feel like it, it helps do that refinement for you during that time. Um, and just, gives you something I think to hold on to that still can bring fulfillment during that time while you are working or navigating towards that outcome that you're wanting. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Let's each do one question left. Does that work just for time's sake? Go for it. The question that I still wrestle with, and I would love to just hear your input on some of this, but there is a temptation to believe the thing we're waiting for, unless we get it, will lack fulfillment. Mm. 
Yes. Unless this thing drops in our lap, unless God provides us in this way, my life or even me, I'm, it's not complete, right? If, if, if you never have the kid, mm-hmm. is my life worth it? If I never meet the person, is my life worth it? If I never have the family, if I never get the job, is it still worth doing it? And mm-hmm. will I f- finish my life complete if I never get this? Mm-hmm. What did that look yeah. like for you when you're wrestling as you were trying to figure out if I'm never a mom is, yeah. am I okay with that? Yeah. And, and I'd say first for anybody that's listening that it maybe can relate to that mm-hmm. is like living in that maybe unfulfilled desire that you have. First of all, I just want you to know, like, I see you, my heart hurts for mm. you because that's really hard and it's something that you deal with every day. And so, um, it matters. And so I just want those listening to know that. And I think for me, what I found out happened that at first it, it didn't happen. Okay. Like I said, yeah. it's two and a half years. Right. <laughs> yep. So it was definitely something that I had to, God and I were wrestling with this whole time, I feel like. And, and what I found though, and I remember this feeling, I remember having this conversation was that through living in the way in this idea of having community and talking about this topic, I had new life that mm. formed in me. And so it wasn't the new life that I wanted right? Like to be, become a mom at that point, that didn't happen for another year after yeah. that. Um, but I had a different kind of life, right? Like it wasn't what I planned. It wasn't what I was thinking would happen, but he still brought fulfillment to my life, but in a different way That's great. through a different avenue. And, and it didn't replace, right? What I wanted to become a mom. It didn't replace it. It was just something new he mm. had brought into my life. Um, and so I, I can't speak to the fact of not becoming a mom because I did right from that Mm -hmm. standpoint. Um, But I I offer that of that. There is, I still feel like some hope that maybe it's a different type of fulfillment, Mm -hmm. a different new life that he can bring that you would have never imagined. Okay. Doing this, writing a book was never on my radar. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this was all something new that he brought to my life. Um, And I I know he can do that through you for others listening today. I don't know what it is specifically. I think it's asking him that. You know, and, and also talking to him about how you're feeling through that and the disappointment. And and it's hard because if it isn't fulfilled, it's always going to be there, yep. right? That hole will always be there. It's it's always going to be a part of your story. It probably will always be painful. You'll probably never be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where talking to him and, and working through that with him and a trusted friend to kind of share with that are important things to do. Um, and I wish I could fix it. I really yeah. do. I mean, for anybody <laughs> I talk to, and that's the thing is we can't, right? Yeah. And that's hard to accept sometimes, mm-hmm. it will, a lot of times to in, accept that. In the book, you you even talk about what it means to find true fulfillment, that even if you get the thing, there's always going to be another thing you're waiting for. There's another, mm-hmm. there's another void to fill. There's another box to check. Yeah. So finding true fulfillment in Jesus mm-hmm. that we've prompted our people over the last couple of years to ask the question, is Jesus enough for you? Mm. And really mm-hmm. wrestling with that because he, he needs to be. Yeah. Uh, if, if you never have the satisfaction in career relationships, life, mm-hmm. like Jesus can still be enough for you. If he is all that you have, mm-hmm. find that place where you have true fulfillment in him and that'll be beautiful. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure it's John 10, 10, where he says, I have come that they may have life go. and have it to the fullest. Yep. I mean, so I remember I clung to that verse too. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause it's, it's a reminder of that. And, but that, I think what's hard is that as humans, we think we should be fulfilling the things that we want to fulfill. Yep. And God is saying, well, I might have a different plan because it's about him and his kingdom. Oh yeah. And oftentimes my stuff isn't, it's about my agenda, what I want and my directives. And it's like, sometimes they don't match. And that I think is where inviting him in and having that conversation is so valuable because then you work together with him on that. I mean, I can't help, but 
Mark 8 is some of my favorite passage of scripture, and that's exactly the tension playing out there is Jesus has asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter steps up to the plate, knocks that out of the park. He's like, you are Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. He's like, this has been revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And there's like this mountaintop moment. He gets the answer right. He's all in front of the disciples. It's huge for Peter. And right in the next moment, Jesus declares that he's going to pass away, and he, and he predicts his death. And Peter steps up again, of course, confident. He says, I, can't, I won't let this happen to you. And it's in that moment where Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You have no concern over the plans of God, only merely human concerns. Mm -hmm. So it's this reality that Peter had what he thought was correct plans. He, he had this path, this trajectory for Jesus to get to become the king, to become the Lord, to be the, the guy. And Jesus had a different plan from the Father. And they had to reconcile those two. And Peter fights with that all the way through the resurrection. I mean, you finish John, Peter is still downtrodden in the fact that Jesus did not become the guy he thought he was supposed to be. Yet the Father's plan of crucifixion and resurrection was so much better than whatever Peter could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Yet it took yeah. him time to, to wait and to learn that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Sorry, Mark 8 soapbox. <laughs> Any, anytime right? I can. There's nothing, more. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing more to say. Yeah, I'll kind of bring us home. So uh, your book, Living in the Way, but then also just the process of living in the way is ultimately about trusting God and, and what he's doing in the midst of the waiting. And so in some final thoughts, what encouragement would you give to people listening um, for how that they can better continue to trust God in the midst of the waiting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think the first thing I would say is surprise. It's not instant, right? <laughs> okay. So that this, it's a process, right? This trust with God. I mean, it's like any type of relationship. It's not something that's instant. And I do feel like when we go through these difficult times, we stand to gain the most. Mm -hmm. So I'd say seasons of waiting or difficult times, I feel like can often be the same, but, or feel the same um, because we have nothing left to lose. Yep. And I feel like, that's where we can stand to gain the most in our relationship with God, about ourselves and, and trusting him and through that. And I, I, I think the one that I love the most is that um, I share this in the book. It's from Ernie Johnson had in his book. He said, are you going to trust uh, or trust God with a question mark or with a period? Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think I said that right. I'll have to look that back up. But basically <laughs> what he's saying is like, are you going to trust God because you get what you want? Mm you know, like trust God, like I'm going to trust God. Or yeah. is it like, I'm going to trust God, period. Yeah. Like whether mm. I get what I regardless. want or I don't get yeah. what I want regardless. And I, I really res resonated with that because mine was with the question mark. Yeah. It mm. really honestly was. And then realizing like, okay, it's about trusting him, period. Mm. Trust God, period yeah. with that. And I think one thing that helped me trust or I think dig in, dig into or understand this trust more was Mark eleven twenty four, 24, what says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Mm. And that was a turning point for me where it was like, I'm going to believe in this believe before I see anything from you, God. Yeah. And I think that helped deepen my relationship with him because I wasn't trusting him for something I already saw. It was, I was mm. trusting you for something that I'm hoping you'll provide. And yeah. We're going to trust each other through that process because like i said we didn't know what was going to happen and yeah. i think when you trust him when you can't see that it feels different right because you're truly trusting him because you you don't have the control you can't see what's going on he's got the you know the detail and the plans um and stepping into that so i i'd say those listening maybe check out that verse mm -hmm. and just think of how you can pray to god in expectation for what you're desiring and i feel like watch your relationship change with him yeah so good uh it's, I don't remember which chapter in Daniel, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I've always 
been drawn so deeply to their prayer because mm. there's this confidence and this expectation Jesus teaches and they pray we know you can and we believe you will mm-hmm. but then they finish with this submission too that says but even if you don't and that yes. kind of sums up some yes. of what we've talked to there is a confidence we can bring to prayer that says God I believe you'll do this I believe you can and I believe you will yet there's this submission we hold intention that says but even if you don't I will still worship you yeah because you're still God and you're still faithful and you're still trustworthy yeah. and so it's the beauty of Mm-hmm. confident expectation submission that together in that melting pot is the faith that he has asked us to live by mm-hmm. yeah. hard so but good. beautiful yeah that's perfectly said <laughs> yeah. well there you go yeah. uh thanks for tuning in uh for yeah. catching catching up with us and for meeting melissa again you can get her book living in the weight i think on amazon or yes pretty yep. much anywhere books are sold i feel like that's a cliche <laughs> but yeah she's probably a great uh social media follower someone to catch up with you can check her out her website or different things like that and get in contact mm-hmm. with her but we've enjoyed having you on it's yeah, been awesome thank you i loved and, it yeah peace out see you Bye. oasis